They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Elliot, welcome back. Welcome back to Magellan's The Movies. I just have one question for you. What do you think about the fact that we are getting two unnecessary, terrible-looking fourth movies to animated series in the year of our Lord, 2024? Kung Fu Panda 4 is coming out this year, and I don't know if you saw, but a trailer this week came out for Despicable Me 4. So we're getting both of... What are your thoughts, Elliot? Um, Have you seen either of these trailers also? I've seen the Kung Fu Panda trailer. I hate it. I have not seen the Despicable Me 4 trailer. I hate it. I already hate Despicable Me, so this does nothing to raise it in my estimations. The Kung Fu Panda... Four trailer looks truly, truly awful. Like, I don't know what they think they're doing over there at DreamWorks, but yeah, like they're completely abandoning the series' original conceit and it has just gone off the rails. I'm never going to see Despicable Me 4. Gosh, I hate the Despicable Me movies. Uh, I'm very sad. I'm very sad. I'm assuming you're of a similar mind here. Oh, yeah. I think Kung Fu Panda 4 just looks... And honestly, both of these movies, at least to me, feel somewhat like an executive just said, hey, we can still make money from this, right? And someone said, yeah, maybe. So they greenlit a movie. Because the Kung Fu Panda 4, uh, they've gutted the cast. None of the Furious 5 is returning. So like a large chunk of the supporting cast is gone, replaced by everyone's favorite animated voice, Aquafina, which is great. She's so funny. And then Despicable Me 4, I mean, they have not even done the barest minimum to try and make this look like they put any money into it. All three of the girls still have what appear to be the exact same model, like character design that they have had for the past three movies, despite ostensibly at least two or three years taking place in between the first one and the fourth one. So it feels very much like it's just, we can make money off this. We know people love to come and see movies with minions in it. Uh, so let's greenlit some greenlight some nonsense, which makes sense for Illumination. But DreamWorks put out last year Puss in Boots 2, The Last Wish, which was a great movie. And yeah, these two feel like they're coming from a different... La- it feels like other animation studios are really like 
cranking everything up to 11 in terms of like Sony putting out, you know, across the Spider-Verse and DreamWorks with Puss in Boots 2. The animation has been really good. And apparently some people haven't got the memo that this is the new thing that we're doing is we're making good animated movies. Well, while we wait for them to catch up, we'll also have to enjoy, I don't know if you saw this, but Jurassic World 4. I did I did see that they uh yeah, that they greenlit some stuff for that. Yeah, yikes. Dude, what? Well, it, I hope <laughs> I hope they don't make this movie, but if they do make this movie, I hope that they just say F it and restart the entire cycle. A Jurassic World 4 is another park that goes wrong and then they'll do the whole thing of dinosaurs getting out again <laughs> for three, for two more movies after that. And it'll basically just reset every time. Yeah. It's like Terminator, you know, it just, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Exactly. <laughs> As, as the great George Lucas once said. The, the famous poet, George Lucas. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is also a fourth movie in a not entirely animated series, but large chunks of that is animated. Anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, let's dive into the movie. Elliot, you picked the movie for this week, so... Break it down for us. What's what's the plot? What's the deal? What's happening with uh, the menu? Oh, I, once again, I've been caught unawares despite being aware that this was going to happen. So I don't have my information up here. So the menu is a 2022 movie described on Google as ho a horror comedy uh, directed by Mark Mylod, possibly Milod. It's it follows a young woman named Margot, played by Anya Taylor Joy. She goes to the highest of high end restaurants for an unforgettable evening of food and weird nonsense with a bunch of other obscenely rich people. But there's a twist. It's not just that the chef has some evil designs uh for their, his his uh what would you his customers uh he is planning yeah. to murder them he has sort of <clears throat> gone off the deep end and has become thoroughly disillusioned with the food world the both the creation and the consumption of it and so now he's sort of like making a big statement that no one is ever going to know or understand because no one's recording this or anything. So the police aren't going, the police are just going to assume that like it was a gas leak or something. And uh, this will have no impact whatsoever on the larger food world. But that doesn't matter. The point is that the movie generally follows the guests learning more about why they're there, about the ways in which, the chef, Slowick is his name, played by the indomitable Rafe Fiennes. Why he feels that they are negative influences on his art and on the food world, on the world of art itself. 
And also, of course, their attempts to get the heck out of there and maybe not die. Pretty simple premise. Uh, it's a uh, clean-cut kind of movie. It's It was released to pretty strong reviews. Uh, did well at the box office. It, it, it did pretty well for itself in all categories. But... There's one category that is that it has yet to be evaluated in, and that's the category of Magellan's at the movies. And that's what we have gathered here to do today, is to evaluate this movie. So, I watched this movie, I've seen this movie once before. I remembered enjoying it. I remembered finding it pretty funny, um, and pretty, like, it's not the most complex thing in the world, but I thought that it made some... Interesting points about art and art criticism and the avant-garde world. And then I didn't really think about it until I happened to see a video about it recently. And it sort of rekindled my interest. And I decided that uh, I would... One of these days, I'm going to make Nathan watch a new movie and he's going to really enjoy it. Um, is that... So, is that the case, Nathan? Have... Have I finally done it? Uh, I wouldn't say I really enjoyed this movie. I would say I enjoyed this movie. I think I had a good time with it. I don't think. I know I had a good time with it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about this because I, I think this movie, like you said, it made a bit of a splash. It did uh, get some nominations. I think for the Golden Globes was probably the biggest sort of award show it landed some stuff for. And I hadn't seen it when it came out, so I was interested in watching it now. Some of my friends had seen it, and they had talked about it fairly highly. When the movie started, I said this to you before we started recording, it reminded me of The Triangle of Sadness, which is a movie that I watched last year that I absolutely hated, that I felt huge amounts of ire with for wasting my time and not being funny at all. Uh, so I was I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I found it to be very enjoyable. It made me laugh out loud more than a few times. Uh, I thought the performances were good. Other stuff was good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. I have a few issues, but for the most part, I I did enjoy this movie. Well, uh, that's something. I also enjoyed this movie. I would say I liked it about the same as I did uh, the first time around. I think that. So the reason I specifically mentioned that Google classified it as a horror comedy is because, and that's kind of where I want to start, is I don't think this movie is scary at all. And if I don't think something is scary, I, the biggest baby, the mayor of baby Wienerville, don't think that a movie is scary, that means that it's probably not very scary. I would... To the point that I honestly would not classify this as a horror movie. I would classify it as like a thriller or even just a dark comedy. Nathan, you nodded a bit. So I'm assuming you agree or maybe you're just completely insane and you're having a different conversation. But uh, what did you think about the like scary stuff? What did you think about the tone uh, of this movie? What did you think that the movie was trying to make the audience feel? Yeah, 
I think it's a little interesting because I definitely think when the movie starts, it's trying to make a bit of a nervous tone. It's got some of those kind of classic horror movie sort of staples. It's got a fairly cold open. It has the one uh, chef's assistant woman played by Hong Chow walking the guests through a bunch of different locations in the island, which is a classic sort of horror movie trope that they go through like, oh, there's this place and this place and this place because later in the movie you're going to have to hide. And so I think the setup feels very horror movie-esque. But then as the movie, as the kind of main plot of the film takes over, it gets, and I wrote this in my notes, it gets sillier and more comedic as it goes on. I think it starts off with very dark sort of things. I want to say the first kind of obvious indication that something is a little, uh, I would say, hinky is when he introduces the tacos and he tells this fairly dark story about his father coming home drunk and assaulting his mother and then him stabbing his father in the leg with some scissors. A uh, fairly dark story. No one <laughs> in the clientele really seems to react very much to it. But then they discover that the tortillas have laser engraved images that are kind of uh, incriminating and images that are showing the different ways the guests are guilty of things. And then as the movie keeps going, it gets more and more comedic. It has more and more jokes. So I do think it's interesting tonally. I didn't ever feel like it was ever a bad thing, but I do think it does try to kind of do a bit of a bait and switch on people, that it's setting them up for something very dark and twisted and it is, I mean, there are dark sort of moments, but I think the ultimate end of the movie is more of a comedy or more of just an enjoyable sort of ride is is my feeling on it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are certainly, even like a lot of the dark things that happen are attended by a joke that very quickly comes in to kind of release the tension. Like, there's a point where a guy tries to leave, and so they cut his finger off, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's horrific. And then there's this, like, very quickly afterwards, there's this joke where uh, the chef's, like, assistant takes the ring off of his finger and hands it back to the, uh, to the wife and is just like, here's your husband's ring. And that quickly takes a lot of the air out of the scare, is how I'll put it. Uh, the same thing happens when, like, the first big, oh my gosh, this is terrible thing is Slowick convinces one of his, or I don't think he really convinces, he just, like, guides one of his chefs to suicide. And then immediately afterwards, there's this dark joke where Nicholas Holt's character... <laughs> Uh, Tyler is like it just does not react like he's just talking about the food still so I don't think this movie is even really trying that hard to be scary like aside from the setup that you mentioned 
I don't think this movie really has horror on its mind. I don't think it really wants the audience to feel scared. Yeah, I agree. So then let's go to what is the movie trying to do and is it accomplishing it? I think if we are looking at this movie as a dark comedy, let's is the movie funny? Because I will say, like I said in my intro, I laughed out loud at a couple of points. Uh, I really liked, besides the uh, Tyler not reacting to the guy killing himself, when they give the like splash page for that course, and it has like information on the course, the bottom bullet point was rest in peace, uh, Jeremy Landon, or whatever the name of the cook was, which I thought was pretty funny. I also really liked when Slovic forces Tyler to cook something. They have a splash page for that, that it's like Tyler's BS, undercooked lamb, no cohesion, like idiot, buttered saute thing. I thought that was really funny. So I would say if this movie is a dark comedy, I think it is definitely accomplishing it because I found it quite humorous at multiple points. So I would say the movie is definitely accomplishing that. I agree. I I don't think that it matters a whole lot if the movie wants to be one thing or the other. I mean, I enjoy it most as a dark comedy. So, I mean, I don't think it really matters if it's trying to be a horror movie. Uh, I'm the audience. I get to decide what my experience is bit of death of the author there. Yeah. Um, okay. Shush. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think this movie is very funny. I actually watched like half of it with our sister Lydia and her husband Davis last night because they came over and I felt like they well, Lydia's a big baby. So she, she didn't enjoy the like scarier stuff. But I felt like they did not laugh nearly enough. I was I was having a grand old time. I don't think they were that much. But like my favorite joke is probably when they go outside and Slowick is saying that all the male customers have 45 seconds to hide. And if they can't be found, then they can get away. And as he's explaining this, the one guy runs off and Slowick says, okay, which... The delivery and the timing by Rafe Fiennes are both fantastic. It's a great joke. It made me laugh out loud both times. So, yeah, I think that this movie is a very good dark comedy because a lot of the comedy is very dark. Like, suicides are not typically followed up with a joke about non-reactions. Someone getting their finger cut off isn't usually considered grounds for comedy, but this movie is mining them for comedy. So, it is – and I – I I like dark comedy um, when it's not, you know, oh gosh, not the, you know, <laughs> I don't like the, you know. Oh, man. Uh, when it's not just like trying to be shocking for the purpose of shocking, when it actually has some thought behind it, which I think that this movie accomplishes. So I think it's best as a dark comedy and as a dark comedy, it's pretty good. So yeah. Let's talk about the characters and 
and the theme of the movie, because I think that those two things are very closely intertwined. So this movie is kind of about, in a thematic, in a meta sense, it's kind of about art and the way that we consume art and uh, create art and how we decide what art is worthwhile and what's not and how we make a big deal out of it. It's obviously focused on the food world, which I have less than zero experience with. So, But I think that it is applicable to art in general because I was thinking a lot about movies um, in all of this because Slowik's courses are all these insanely intricate, convoluted stunts, basically. Like, uh, he gives this big speech about bread and how bread is of the lower classes. Bread has existed for years, for thousands of years. Bread is like the staple, a huge staple of the human diet. But you guys are not poor you're it's for the working man you're not for the working man so you don't get bread so this is my breadless bread plate and it's this ludicrous avant-garde pretentious gimmick that made me think of uh of a lot of movies that i've seen or that i've heard about that i would classify as these insane overly intellectualized basically stunts like they're not stories or artistic endeavors they're just stunts to try to get people to try to get people's attention that's a that's a cynical reading i admit but that's been my reading of movies like um under the skin or titane or stuff like that but uh, so I'm curious, this is one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this movie, because you tend to be a little bit more forgiving of experimentation of, even when it goes wrong, of experimentation, of boundary pushing, of that kind of thing. So I'm curious to know if you responded to this very well, or if you thought that maybe the pretentious art crowd was getting a bad rap or what did you think give it to us i think watching the movie the character i instantly connected with and then as the movie went on was like oh yikes that's not great was tyler and the way (laughs) tyler (laughs) don't laugh at me But the way Tyler talks about food is not that dissimilar to the way that I can talk about movies sometimes with people. And even somewhat the critics, I think, are definitely discussing the food in a way that can feel similar or probably feel similar for people who don't care about movies to talking about movies with me. So I think... (laughs) So it's hard to like suppress my knee-jerk reaction to be negative towards the movie and be like, that's not true. Movies are like art is amazing. We do need boundary pushers. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think the movie is necessarily coming down that hard necessarily on any one group because it the movie's not pro-Slovic because Slovic is insane like he's murdering people he is in fact 
causing the death of humans, which is, and for as much as he's kind of trying to somewhat rebel or fight against these pretensions and this abstract avant-garde nonsense that he feels he's been trapped into, his final, like, stunt is a fairly bizarre avant-garde thing. Like, he's still serving, like you said, breadless bread plates in the process of saying, isn't it so stupid that this is the kind of stuff I would do? That he's failing to see that he could just stop doing those, that he's not quite as trapped as he maybe makes it seem or he personally feels. So I think the movie kind of has, I don't know, a decent message of maybe there's a balance. Like we do need some, and maybe this is just me uh, coming up with a version of the movie that's not so mean to people like me. (laughs) But I think there's a place in art for both avant-garde, experimental, boundary-pushing things that show us new ways of telling stories and of communicating with each other that are exciting and novel Well, at the same time, there's definitely a room for, like at the end of this movie, just a burger and fries, which was the only meal that showed up in this film that I was like, oh, shoot, I want to eat that. When he walked by with a plate of fries, I was like, oh, man, I want fries. I love fries. (laughs) But I, I, I think the movie is not necessarily trying to say anything super deep about art or about the upper class and the middle class. I think it's more enjoyable to watch the movie as just a bit of, yeah, an exciting, funny, dark comedy. I think there are some elements where it's, you know, there's some interesting stuff. I like the way that uh, the critics don't really react to the like more gory things that are happening happening it takes them longer to be concerned about the situation because in their head like this whole thing is for them this whole spectacle is an art show for them specifically as opposed to for anyone else on the world so i thought that was kind of funny i think that kind of speaks to how and i don't know any actual critics in real life but certainly to the sense we can get in the public that critics can be a little hoity-toity, a little ivory tower-esque. So there's some elements of kind of a class satire or a satire of art that's a little interesting, but I don't think the best elements of the movie are in uh, that sort of space, in my opinion. But again, I am... If that is what the movie is going for, I am somewhat in the target, in the scope of a satire of those sorts of people. Yeah, I would say that I'm in like a similar ballpark to your feelings there, Uh, maybe a little bit further afield, because the character that I most connected with was definitely Margot, who is, uh, spoiler alert, is a like... She's a working girl. She's an escort, and she's been hired to uh, fill a seat for Tyler in this experience because they don't serve tables for one. Um, And she is the, like, (coughs) excuse me. She is the, like, working class 
every man, John Q. taxpayer kind of person. And her reactions to the food are always just like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Just make the food, just do the thing. And that's how I feel very often when watching a lot of like pretentious experimental movies where I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Just, just tell the story, just develop the characters, just do something, anything to like, just be engaging. And I also felt like I I recognized a lot of the language that the reviewers used in the initial phases of the night when they were talking about the overly intellectualized courses on their own terms, and they weren't actually talking about the food. They were talking about all these insane, loosely connected, nebulous conceptions that they were bringing into it that I feel like I've seen in reviews a thousand times over where I read a review and I learn nothing about what the movie actually is or is about or if it's good at all. I just learn about this graduate level class that the reviewer took in like the history of class warfare or whatever and nothing about the actual movie. So that, I feel like, that's very well-aimed. Because I feel like some sometimes we can get inured to the possibility... Sometimes I feel like people in the avant-garde scene who I respect, like, that's fine. That's If that's your thing, go for it. But sometimes I feel like people in that scene can kind of get inured to the very idea that sometimes things are just dumb and meaningless and just not very good. And that's how the reviewers were based. That's basically what the, where the reviewers were at. Like they were so convinced that they were in the presence of an art house greatness, that they were making up all these insane excuses for a breadless bread plate, despite that being just a stupid idea that nobody is, that doesn't actually have that much merit as a piece of food, which is what it, which is what a restaurant fundamentally is meant to serve. So that's kind of what I feel about movies, which are fundamentally a piece of engaging storytelling and everything else is secondary or at least is, or at least should be tied into that idea. So I, I like that um, because I felt like the movie was on my side. So I was more, uh, I was more amenable to, what it was serving up. But I think that I agree that the movie is not a hundred percent on Sloic side because he's insane. He's a murderer. And we typically don't like murderers uh, around these parts. And I think that actually, and now I can't remember, was it a deleted scene or was it actually in the movie where Margot like straight up asks Sloic, if you're so, upset with where you're at why haven't you like quit and gone to cook in a soup kitchen or something was that actually in the movie i don't think so i don't okay. remember that at least well then I th i'm pretty sure that's a deleted scene because i have seen that i must have seen it online and i think that would have been i think that the movie kind of suffers for having lost that because that's like yeah that's the perfect uh repost to all of this madness that he's doing is like dude just if you love making cheeseburgers so much, just 
go back to being a fry cook at McDonald's or whatever. Um, so I think that the movie's it's balanced. I think that its uh, jabs are well aimed, and I th- now we're gonna sort of segue more into the characters because I think each of the characters kind of represents a different aspect of artistic criticism or artistic consumption that the movie thinks that the movie perceives some kind of flaw in. So we've already talked about the reviewers. We've already talked about Tyler, but then we've got um, the like finance bros who don't really care about any of this. They're just there to essentially buy status. It just to say that they've been there, that you've got this actor, a washed up actor and his assistant who the movie does so dirty. Like Slovak says that she deserves to die just because she went to Brown university and she didn't have student loans, which I think is another good example of dark comedy where he's like student loans. And she says, no. And it's like, sorry, you're dying. (laughs) You're dying. That's so funny though. (laughs) It is very funny, but like (sighs) the actor is just like name dropping. He got in here because he's claimed to know Slowick, who he doesn't actually know. And then you've got this rich couple who, much like the finance bros, are just there to buy status. They're buying, uh, they're buying an experience. They're buying the ability to say to people, "Oh yeah, we regularly eat at Hawthorne," is the name of the island and the restaurant. And Again, if we want to extrapolate, or not extrapolate, I can't quite think of the word, but if we want to extend this criticism to art in general, I think that there is a corollary to each of these different archetypes, if you want to call them that. Like, uh, I definitely have known some people who watch movies in the same way that the finance bros consume this experience initially where they don't really have any thoughts about it they don't really have any appreciation for it they're just kind of like they just watch it to say that they've watched it which again i'm not saying that's like unethical or anything like if that's what you want to do then fine (laughs) but it does it does make for very uninteresting conversations when uh we talk about movies And then the same thing applies to the guy who just wants to name drop um, and the people who just want to say, I guess you could kind of group the finance bros and the affluent couple together. that They just want to say that they've been there. They've done that. So what are your thoughts on all of those? Yeah, I, I would agree that I think all of them, all of the other kind of characters somewhat fall into the same sort of criticism if you can call it a criticism of yeah people who don't really engage with the things they experience which honestly i feel like is less of a thing is more of a thing when you go to upper echelons of I'll just speak on movie criticism because that's what I see most of the time. But I feel like I see a fair number of people who will watch a movie that, in my opinion, has a very clear sort of message or a very clear sort of like, um, this is some steps you should take. This is some stuff you should do. 
And the people will review it with very little kind of personal uh, development, very little of like, oh, this makes me want to like change something about the way I'm living, which is not to say that like every movie you need to like do something. But if you watch a movie that the main thesis is like, hey, you should tell the people closest to you that you love them. And then you just come out of that and say like, yeah, that's a good message, but don't then tell the people closest to you that you love them. You're kind of just doing this to review it as opposed to like genuinely have a human emotional experience. I, I kind of like when Slovak goes up to the man and the woman and says, you know, you've eaten here eight times or whatever, 11 times, whatever it is. And he asks them to name one dish and they can't name a single dish in all of the years they've been coming here. And he's, he's like really upset because he introduces the dish every time he says the name, he says what's in it. Like he puts a lot of effort into this stuff. And so it's really disheartening for him to see people just right. Eat it and then move on with their lives. Eat it as just, as if it's just food, when it clearly means a lot more to him than just that. Which I can definitely see similarities in movies that an actor or a director or a writer is putting like their heart and soul into a piece of film, and then people will just watch it just to say, yeah, I oh, I saw the movie that won Best Picture last year. It was great, as opposed to watching it to really have any sort of emotional experience which again it's like if that's the way you watch it you obviously don't deserve to be murdered by a psychotic chef but you know this is a movie it blows things out of proportion somewhat to make its point a little more yeah i would say that and i can't speak for the movie or for you here but for me personally i would say that these issues are less about issues that are destroying art because i don't think art is being destroyed for as much as i don't like marvel movies i don't think they represent the downfall of western civilization i would say that it's less a problem for art or artists and it's more of a problem for people who engage with it in that way i would say that it's more like it's less it's more like you're just sort of missing out uh, it would be more beneficial. Mm. You would have a better experience if you would, if people would engage with it in a in a different way. It's not like unethical or anything. It's not wrong. There's no right way to engage with art, but there are some ways which will lead to a better experience, which will be more impactful and sort of deepen your horizons and your artistic palette than some others, if that makes any sense at all. I'm basically, I'm just trying to say, I'm not trying to insult you. Uh, if, if, if you, if that's like where you, where you're at, I don't think it's a problem or, excuse me, I don't think that it's wrong. I think that it's just like, there's a better way, um, is what I would say. And again, maybe that does make me like Slowick or like the pretentious um, Tyler. If if that's so, then I guess so be it. But that's the beautiful thing about art is that we can have these kinds of interesting conversations.
And speaking of interesting conversations, let's continue ours. So on the topic of my opinion that movies should like just tell the story, just craft the characters. I do want to talk now about the movie as a movie rather than as a statement on art and artistic criticism and artistic consumption. Because I I think that it's good. I don't think that it's great. Very much like the uh, dearly departed Jeremy Loudon, it's good, but it's not great. Not that I think that this movie should then destroy itself. Because... When it comes to characters and narrative and stuff, and a movie that has a a message that it wants to get across, I think there's balance. That these things should be sort of in concert with one another. That they should complement each other rather than one dominating the other. That's that's my stance on movies and movies with intricate messages and themes and stuff like that. So, like, here's a reference that no one will understand. Nathan and I recently watched uh, Agita, The Wrath of God, and that movie is way on the side of um, themes and stuff. Like, the characters barely even exist outside of actors playing roles. That's like that. That's an example of when themes go wrong. Um I don't think this movie is. I, I don't think this movie is anywhere near that level. But I do think that it privileges the message to the not extreme, but to the noticeable detriment of the other stuff, of the narrative, of the characters. That the movie is most interested in the 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 ideas and. So the characters exist in that context. They exist to get that idea across. There's no real, like, character development. There there are characters that you empathize with and that you want to see succeed, but not because you really, like, connect with them personally, more because they kind of represent the side that you're on, if that makes any sense. So what do you think? What your thoughts? Let's have them. Yeah, I agree. I think thus far in the movie, we've talked, or in the review, we've talked mostly about what this movie does well. And I think most of my negatives are just when the movie stops doing those things. When the movie leans too far into kind of a more of a horror angle, I'm thinking of like when uh, a chef dressed up as a Coast Guard comes into the thing and Slovak plays it like everyone has to like pretend everything's fine so this guy doesn't get killed and then it turns out he's a chef the whole time uh that's just kind of feels like a bit of a weird aside it feels like it's trying to build a lot of tension that the like other sections in the movie doesn't have when uh hong chow's character attacks uh margo she like follows her when she's going to get some barrel in some video game side quest so she can find the narrative information she needs to escape at the end. It felt kind of like uh, one of those telltale games that you find a piece of information and it's like, Margo, we'll remember that. And she gets to use it <laughs> later on. But anyway, it, there's a fight scene between the two of them that feels very... Uh, unearned. I don't know why she's bothering to attack someone or afraid that someone's going to take her place. If everyone's dying in a fire at the end of this, 
<laughs> why does it matter? That's so pointless. And it feels very much just like extra padding. Um, I do like the characters. I like Anya Taylor-Joy as an actress. I think she does a pretty decent job of adding a little more gravity to a fairly one-note sort of character. I think Ray Fiennes does a similar thing with his role. Honestly, the person who I liked the most was Nicholas Holt. Again, partially because <laughs> I feel similarly to him somewhat. I kind of identify with him the most. But I actually thought he did a really good job. In a lot of other movies, he plays just kind of nerd sort of weirdo characters and he's a bit of a nerd in this one but he's got a bit more confidence he's got a bit more uh i wouldn't say swagger but he's got a bit more self-determination which i kind of liked to see from him and i thought yeah i just thought he did a very good job with this role and with this character but again i don't care that much about the character so stuff like when after he fails to cook very well and then he kills himself he hangs himself uh the movie seemed to kind of like stay on it for a bit longer than is necessary that it's like oh isn't this so sad i'm like yeah but a lot of people are dying and you know i'm not that bummed because they're all not real they're fictional so i think Anytime the movie strayed away, don't make that face, Elliot. <laughs> Anytime the movie strayed away from just being an entertaining, dark comedy with some notes of kind of art criticism and criticism of the art world, stuff like that. Every time it strayed away from that, I lost interest very fast. And I was like, nah, I don't really care about yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the word that you used to describe Margot's little thing is literally the word that I was thinking of, that it was just like a side quest. Mm. And I agree, like, the movie clearly wanted to set up that Hong Chao's character, isn't her name Lisa? I don't know. That's a good, I actually had the cast up this whole time, so I definitely could have looked at it. Elsa. Elsa. Um... The movie was clearly trying to indicate that Elsa was, like, very protective of Slowick and of her place in Slowick's hierarchy. Um, like, she's clearly very jealous. Like, there's that one shot when uh, Slowick hugs this female chef who he had sexually harassed. And that was part of his penance was she got to uh, design a course and stab him in the leg. Uh, with some scissors, just like he stabbed his father. Um, so she does that, and then he says, I'm sorry, and they hug, and then there's a shot of Elsa bowing her head. So clearly, she's jealous. But I agree that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the context of everyone being about to die, that she's worried about being replaced. Maybe she doesn't think he's serious. And I agree that... The characters are enjoyable, but not really, like, relatable or engaging in their own right. I think that if the movie wanted to make us really care about Margot as a person, about her struggles and her personality, then she needed to have more of that. And the movie 
doesn't really have that because it's mostly it's not really interested in that in the same way that it's interested in other stuff. Uh, so that's a choice that it made. I think that the ideas are interesting enough and the way that they're expressed is funny and engaging enough to make up for it. But you certainly, I feel like you certainly do still feel the loss of a cast of truly engaging, compelling characters and a narrative that's more than just moving from um, like paragraph to paragraph of Slowick's grand thesis on art and the art world. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have a ton else to say. I did not really think the music was anything to write home about. There's nothing in the cinematography that really jumped down at me. So there's no technical elements, apparently, according to the trivia I was just reading. All of the chefs in the background are genuinely making the courses that are then displayed. They're not just running around doing nothing. They are actually doing those things, which is kind of neat. That's a neat detail. I obviously didn't notice because I have no idea what happens in a kitchen. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much all for, for my end in terms of thoughts. So I'm ready to get into ratings if you are. Um, I have a few closing, just like random observations and fun facts and stuff. I, lo I love Rafe Fiennes. I think he's a great actor. I pity the soul that has to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him in an acting role, but gosh darn it, Anya Taylor-Joy pulls it off. I think that she's a really good actress, and she's more of a, she's more than a match for him. Um, everyone plays their roles very well. John Leguizamo does a good job as a washed-up actor, um, and I'm not making a joke there <laughs> shut up with that that, that raised <laughs> eyebrow nathan <laughs> john like was almost fine uh i also really like nicholas holt um everyone does a great job uh some fun facts uh the slowick's analysis of the s'more is based on rafe fine's real life reaction to learning what a s'more is like he just thought wow. it was such a stupid and disgusting idea there actually is a lot of improv in this movie and for anyone who's interested in like the crafting of movies you might be interested to know that typically all actors were on set for all shots even ones that they weren't in or that they weren't doing anything doing anything in but they were encouraged to stay in character and to keep interacting with each other as characters uh, just to, like, enhance the atmosphere or make it easier for the people acting. So that's cool. That's I, I like that. And also, I like the touch that um, I agree that there's not really anything to write home about in terms of music or cinematography or lighting or stuff. I would say it's all serviceable. Uh, none of it stood out to me as bad, but none of it stood out to me as good. Except for one part... Um, that all of the dishes were filmed in that, like, classic food showcase way that they were, like, in these black voids and the camera was, like, really close up and sometimes it would spin around and then suddenly slow down. Uh, stuff that you've seen before in, like, commercials and stuff, except for when Slowak was making a cheeseburger because the way that uh, Margot eventually escapes is... 
she sees a picture of Slowick winning uh, hamburger of the month or something as a fry cook, which is where he got to start. And he's like really happy. And so she like asks him to just make this good, honest cheeseburger. And then she asks if she can get it to go. And I guess Slowick's like, all right, fine, whatever. But anyway, so she asks him to make it, and then the movie actually shoots him making it, rather than uh, showing it in this, like, pretentious showcase way. So I thought that was a nice touch. Other than that, yeah, not a whole lot else to say. So let's start with ratings. I'll go first. I think this is a pretty good movie. Um, I think that your enjoyment of it might depend to some degree on how much you're buying what it's selling thematically because obviously that is what we've most talked about that's what we've most responded to so if you don't really like jive with that i think you might be in for a bit of a slog but for me personally because i can only rate movies on my experience of them i am buying what it's selling i think that it's funny it's a good dark comedy Um, I like what it's saying, and I think that it's saying it very well. (coughs) I think that it's balanced. It's not, like, hysterical saying that, like, oh, my gosh, Western civilization is crumbling around us, is falling down around our ears. Uh, The characters are compelling in the sense that they are good avatars for each sort of component of the movie's message, but in their own right, they're not that great. Same thing applies to the narrative, which does hurt the movie, but the other stuff is enough to compensate for it. So I'm going to give it a strong B. Okay. Uh, I think we're in a similar place. Uh, Like I said, I enjoy the movie for what it is. And when it's kind of playing to those strengths, it's, a pretty fun ride. It's pretty funny. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I think it's a classic, decent movie that I would put on even if I was by myself. Even if I was, wasn't with a bunch of people and they said, hey, you want to watch the menu? <laughs> There's an outside chance I'd watch it by myself. So, Elliot, you did not reveal to me before this episode started what your recommendation was going to be. So I'm on pins and needles, just like our listeners. Elliot, what is your recommendation for this film? Yeah, so I struggled with this one as usual because I just I've only seen like six or seven movies. So it's really hard to pick from those six or seven. Um, I was sort of deciding between whether or not to recommend another thriller or another dark comedy, because those are the kind of the two genres that this movie falls into. I couldn't really think of anything that, like, addresses, that's like a satire of art and art criticism or stuff like that. And I like, as we all know, I like to hew very closely to the original movie with my recommendations, but I couldn't do that this time because I've only seen the six or seven. So I picked from that six or seven, uh, the dark comedy, which is what I think this movie is most strong as. And the dark comedy that I think of, when I hear dark comedy, I think of the Banshees of Inisherin, which, if you'll cast your mind back, was my favorite movie of the year that it came out, which I can't even remember, 2022, I think. So this is a dark comedy. Uh, 
you've probably seen like something about it. It's about these two friends on the Irish island of Inisherin. Um, <clears throat> one of them is this like depressed artistic uh, nerd guy. So there's something who decides to stop being friends with a more dopey kind of content. I describe him as very content. Uh, man played by Colin Farrell, the other guy played by uh, Brendan Gleeson. This movie's hilarious. Uh, I don't really need to say that much about it. If you want to hear my extensive thoughts, you can listen to our 2022 year in review. Um, this movie's very funny. It has some some really dark comic bits that do make me laugh. Um, it's a it's very tender and emotional. It there was a real chance for it to be really cold and sadistic, but it does still it still ha- retains those humanistic elements that I think is at the core of a lot of great cinema. Yeah, this movie's great. Go watch it if you liked the menu for the dark comedy bits. I think you'll really enjoy this. Yeah, I agree. I really like that movie. Definitely check out that episode for a more full version of our thoughts. I went in a little bit of a different direction. I went for a movie that I think has a similar balance of kind of some thematic elements about politics and the current state of society, as well as being a very funny, enjoyable, well-done Picture, I'm choosing Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, the first movie, not the sequel. We reviewed the sequel somewhat negatively, uh, but I love the first one. I saw it in theaters. It was super funny, really great performances all around from everyone. Uh, And I think it's got a lot of intricate plotting, a lot of really great jokes, a lot of kind of interesting characters of different types of rich people but it never goes too far in my opinion towards pure satire uh so i think if you enjoyed kind of that balance of enjoyable funny classic sort of movie stuff with some satire and some criticism i would recommend ryan johnson's knives now yeah i have never been able to love that movie quite as much as a lot of people do. A lot of people really enjoy that movie. I don't know what it is. I guess I just don't find it all that funny. And I find it a bit too silly for me. I find it can be very silly. But uh, so, but I, I don't dislike it. I, I can give that a, a soft second. Um, What I can give a thorough, full-throated second to is the idea that life is hard and full of disappointment. Wow, great. Thank goodness you can do that. Uh, We're going to once again thank you for listening to another episode. We're going to be back uh, next week with another new film, talking about it, discussing its merits and its demerits. So be sure to tune in next week. In the meantime, we hope you have a great week and you can check us out in the next week.